Welcome to the sixth episode of our series, To Live, One Must Die. So far, we have examined the sinfulness of man and his total inability to make peace with the Holy God by his own efforts. We talked about God being the only one who can graciously deliver man from sin and its consequences on the basis of the work and person of his own son, the only mediator between God and man, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We also looked at the quality of character and of life that defines a true believer in Christ Jesus, namely death to self, death to the world, and suffering for the sake of Christ and the gospel. Today, we are going to talk about the blessedness of being dead to sin and alive in Christ. The wages of sin is death, but whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. 1 Peter 4 verse 1-2 Someone may ask, who is he who has ceased from sin? The answer obviously to this question is anyone who is in Christ. By the Spirit of Christ, we who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its lusts. That is to say, as followers of Christ, we are dead to sin. Therefore, our heart is set on the things above and will delight in the ways of our Lord. We are no longer governed by the basic principles of this world because we are not of the world. Rather, we put our trust in the Lord our God. Although sin is still in us, we are no longer its slaves. That is to say, we no longer live in sin. We do not practice sin, nor do we delight in it. And death no longer holds us captive. But rather, as Christ's slaves, we walk in newness of life. And in this new life, our relationship with God is restored. As Paul writes in Romans 5 verse 1 to 5, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In Christ we have peace with God. There is no more enmity between us and our Father God but fellowship. We are no longer in rebellion against Him but obedient to Him. We are no longer separated from him, but reconciled to him, sealed into his love by the Spirit of grace, who graciously preserves us for the day of our redemption. In Christ we are no longer without hope, but prepared for us in heaven is the hope of glory. 
we embark on a totally new life as citizens of heaven, justified before God, not by our own doings, but on the basis of the perfect and finished work of our Savior Lord, according to his abundant grace and mercy. What we've once lost through Adam, that is peace with God, has been restored by our Savior through his atoning sacrifice. And so declares our Lord in John 14 verse 25, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In Christ, we are no longer children of wrath, but sons of God. For we have been justified by his precious blood, baptized and adopted into the family of God by the Holy Spirit, who has sealed us into God's love and promises and prepared, and prepared us for all good works. In Christ, we are made citizens of heaven, Go as with our Savior according to the riches of His grace. Compare Romans 8 verse 16 to 17. Furthermore, we abide in our Father and He abides in us. And on the basis of our Savior Lord's merit, which is imputed to us through faith in Him, we go to our Father in prayer with confidence and the assurance that His ear is attuned to our cry. Compare John 14, verse 13 to 14, chapter 15, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 24. As citizens of the kingdom, co-heirs with our gracious Savior, our hope is kept for us in heaven. Our eternal reward dwells with our Heavenly Father. As 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 5 points it out, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So our inheritance is neither earthly nor decayable. It has no flaw and cannot be destroyed. Rather, it's heavenly, unchanging, pure, and eternal. For being chosen out of the world by our gracious Savior, we no longer belong to the kingdom of darkness, but to the kingdom of God, and have become co-heirs with our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, although tribulation, rejection, distress, persecution, suffering, and even martyrdom may be part of our life as Christians, however, none of these troubles is able to steal our joy and the peace given to us by our Lord. For no one can destroy the hope that is kept for us, nor can one separate us from the love of our Savior. As Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 37, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, writes Paul in verse 38 to 39, 
that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. As people who are dead to sin but alive in our Savior, we neither fear death nor the hostile world which persecutes the church. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. As Paul points it out in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. As 1 John 4 verse 18 highlights it, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Being born of God, we have confidence for the day of judgment because we have been forgiven in Christ and sealed into God's love by the spirit of love. Therefore, the fear of punishment and death is replaced by an earnest longing to be away from the body but at home with our Lord. He has overcome the world and the evil one and given us victory over death. Through him we have become partakers of all the promises and blessings of God in time and eternity. So, as Paul pointed out in Romans 8 verse 18, although we are now subject to all kinds of afflictions, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And it's all the more comforting to know that our Lord has gone before us to prepare a place for us, so that we may be home with Him forever. He will come again as promised to take us to Himself. Compare John 14 verse 1 to 4. During our pilgrimage here on earth, we look forward to the day when our Heavenly Father will take us to glory. For our joy in the Lord is complete, although our life here on earth is marked by sufferings. And because the fear of death has been taken away from us, the desire to be away from the body and at home with the Lord our Father holds our hearts captive. For we know, as the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1 to 2, that if our earthly house, meaning our physical body, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, that is, a glorified spiritual body, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Therefore, as we take our final steps down the corridor of sin, sorrow, grief, trial, affliction, suffering, illness, persecution, and death in this cursed world, joy inexplicable fills our hearts. And when the hour comes, we die in hope, knowing that our Lord will adorn our heads with the crown of life as soon as we are home with Him. 
So although the world constantly spurns us and afflicts us, our joy in our blessed Savior is complete, even in the face of death. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come, the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Hebrews 13 verse 14 and 11 verse 10. For we know that once we breathe our last, the death roll closes behind us, and our soul is immediately received by our Heavenly Father, being ushered into everlasting life by our Great Shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that time on, opens before us an eternity of glory and blissfulness, where there is no more sin, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more affliction, no more tribulation, no more illness, no more persecution, no more death, but everlasting joy and life in our resurrected, glorified, and eternal body in the presence of our great God and Father. As we anticipate this blissful life in the glorious presence of our Father and Savior, our longing to be in heaven with Him is always present and ever-increasing. Although as Christians, the Spirit of our Lord dwells within us, although we commune with our Father through prayer and He constantly speaks to us through His written word, we all feel like the Apostle Paul who further anticipates the time of reunion with the Lord and reiterates his strong desire to be at home with him in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 4 to 8 saying, For we who are in this time grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. This uncommon joy and the longing to depart from the world are based on the justification that we have in Christ our Lord, being cleansed by the blood of His covenant, and are substantiated by the love of God, His promises, and the steadfastness of Christ. We understand why Paul expresses his satisfaction when he writes in Philippians 1 verse 21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. When he was present in the body, Paul lived for Christ alone, even when this posed a threat to his physical life. In other words, Christ was the center of Paul's life, the reason why he existed. For he looked to the future, to the glory that Christ has prepared for all who die for his name's sake. Paul also knew that his departure from this world 
will mean the end of hardship, suffering, loss, and all that he had to endure on this earth. He knew that his life after death would be glorious and blissful, that he could finally love and worship the Lord perfectly. In Christ, as Paul himself said, we walk by faith, not by sight. And because we have a faithful God who loves us and who has shed his blood to redeem us, our hearts remain set on the promises that are secured for us in Christ our Savior. Therefore, looking unto Christ, the hope of glory, the author and perfecter of our faith, from whom nothing and no one can ever separate us, Paul rejoiced. For he knew that glory, peace, joy, and eternal life were kept for him in heaven. Death, therefore, could not deter him from devoting himself fully to the service of the Lord. In the midst of his suffering, Job also perceived the glory of the saints and experienced the blessedness of dying in the Lord. By resting on the promises of God, he kept his mind on the glory that awaited him and trusted in the power of the Lord to restore his life. Job knew that death would not hold him, for the Lord God Almighty is sovereign over all things, including death. Job knew that the Lord is the resurrection and the life. And so he said in Job 19, verse 23 to 27, All that my words were written, all that they were inscribed in a book, that they were engraved on the rock with an iron pen and lead forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Although his body was diseased, Job was certain that when the Lord returns for his elect, he will give him a glorified body. For he believed in the resurrection of the dead and the glorification of the saints by the Lord our Redeemer. Hence, he affirmed with confidence, In my flesh I shall see God. Referring to his own physical death on the cross before it took place, the Lord says to his disciples in John 14 verse 19, Before long, the world would not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Speaking in context of his temporal absence from the body after his crucifixion and burial, the Lord reassured his disciples that his physical absence would not be permanent, for they will see him again. And this is exactly what happened. Three days after his burial, the Lord rose from the dead, and in his glorified body, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Acts 1 verse 3. 
For God did not let his Holy One see corruption. Acts 13 verse 35 Now and forever the Lord lives. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, and his Spirit lives in all who believe in him. Just as the Father raised Christ from the dead, he also delivers the souls of his elect from death. For as Psalm 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Thus, just as our Lord was temporarily absent from the body and was raised from the dead with a glorified body three days later, the day is coming when, by the glorious power of God our Father, we who are in Christ will be raised from the dead with a glorified body. For when we physically depart from the world, though dead in the body, in Christ our Lord we live. For the Lord our Redeemer has conquered death for us. So when we breathe our last, our spirit is immediately received by our Father in heaven, and in the day to come, he will raise us up and glorify our body. Our Lord has given us life through his death and resurrection. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been baptized not only into our Savior's death, but we have also been granted life in him. For the Spirit of Christ has taken residence in us from the moment of our conversion. Christ is our life. Because he lives, we also live. Being born of the Spirit, we are now a new creation, redeemed by the precious blood of our Savior, who before the foundation of the world was chosen by the Father to bear the sins of his elect. Death no longer holds us. To borrow the words of the Apostle Paul, we have died to sin, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. When our Lord, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. Compare Colossians 3, verse 3 to 4. Because we live in union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are eternally secured and protected from the forces of the demonic realm and endowed with every blessing of the heavenly kingdom. Although we are in the world, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Philippians 3 verse 20 to 21. This newness of life that we share with our God is hidden from the world. For the world does not know the Spirit who baptizes us into the family of God, nor does it grasp the significance of our new life in Christ. Those who are outside of Christ walk in darkness. They are children of wrath, dead in trespasses and sin. They walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. For their self-indulgence 
has darkened their thinking and perverted their conduct. Therefore, they completely turn their backs on the grace of God and live in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. They abide in darkness and death abides in them. They trample on their food the precious blood of God's Son and revive His Spirit. Therefore, death is the eternal destination of their souls because they do not know God savingly. But now that we have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit we get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Romans 6 verse 22. The most glorious reality anyone can attain is the knowledge of God through his son Jesus Christ. He alone is able to free sinners from the bondage of corruption and death and to bring them into the kingdom of God. If you are not in Christ, I urge you today to turn to him in repentance and faith. In him alone there is life. No one can conquer death by his own power. No one can inherit eternal life by human efforts. No one can know God savingly by means of human wisdom. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21 Christ is the wisdom of God and his power unto salvation. Today is the day of salvation, your opportunity to be freed from the stink of death, to overcome the grim reality of the afterlife by having your past, present, and future sins forgiven through Christ the Lord and Savior. Throw yourself on his mercies now, and all will be well with your soul. For you cannot conquer death by your own efforts. Stay tuned for our next episode titled, The Conqueror of Death.